Hi everyone, I'm Zach with La Familia Ayahuasca, and I'm sitting with Jess from La Familia Ayahuasca, and Michael from La Familia Ayahuasca. Hi everyone. And in this video or podcast, depending on what you're viewing or listening to, uh, we are going to be talking about evolution in the medicine. And what we mean by that is just in the sh relatively short period of time that I've been working in the medicine, which is uh, 11 years now, 12, 12, 12 years, I'm, 12 years. I'm, <laughs> um, I've seen a lot of evolution, both in how we work in ceremony, but also out in the world, you know, people, uh, uh, other circles and so forth doing new things with, with ceremony. And we can even look back um, to uh, you know, hundreds of years. That's the thing with shamanism in general is it always evolves. Um, you know, for example, the, the, the Mestizo tradition came from um, working the, the immigrants, <laughs> uh, the, uh, what do you call them? Conquistadors. Uh, the frontiersmen <laughs> in the jungle from Spain and so forth going into the jungle and, and hanging out with the indigenous uh, people and drinking ayahuasca and then creating their own mestizo tradition um, in the ayahuasca and plant medicine world. And then you have things like the Santo Daimi, which is a um, Brazilian Catholic church that kind of did the same thing, but was very <clears throat> overtly church-based and, and Catholic-based. And... I, you could just go keep going back further and further and further and seeing all kinds of evolution and that's what <clears throat> you know you saw in North America you have the, the peyote from the um, southwestern tribes working its way up into the plains areas um, there's always been a bunch of sharing of modalities and it's really cool and what we wanted to talk about today is how when a new modality comes forth, how do we decide to bring it into ceremony, right? And there's been some pretty quick and easy ones. Um, when I first started uh, working with medicine in the jungle, there was some questions about mantra and um, I, I, very easy. that was very easy in the sense that my teacher would just listen to them, kind of get the, the energy of them, talk to ayahuasca a little bit, and he's like, okay, we're good. Yeah, go ahead and do mantras. <laughs> so, um, but there's been some other things that we brought in. Um, I, I want to point to, with, with you, um, there's a couple of things with you. you. We've brought in meditation, we've brought in um, singing bowls. Do you want to talk about those things? Sure. Um, well, I'll talk about the, the singing bowls first. Okay. Um, we actually had an experience where we got to receive uh, s some sound healing with singing bowls during a, um, during a personal ceremony. And I found that the vibration of the bowls hit places that the acros just didn't go mm -hmm. 
I mean, it just penetrated in a different, a different kind of way. Um, and it was very, uh, very clearing. It was really amazing, actually. And so then we got some bowls and we started practicing with those. And it's, you know, it's one thing to have the bowls um, and just use the bowls with your voice, but it's another thing when you add the layer of holographic sound healing. So we used just the bowls without having that holographic sound healing training, and it was great. And then you add the other modality onto it, and it became very powerful and also changed the way that uh, the way that we work with our voices in a lot of ways and also brought in some other archetypal energies that were i mean and we did this on on our own first and tested these things out but those other archetypal energies were very much in alignment with the medicine work as well um, they're all about expansion of consciousness and cleaning, clearing, healing. Yeah. On, on that point, I want to make it clear um, for those who may not know us that well. Um, we practice what's called pura medicina, which is pure medicine. And pure medicine um, means that we, our focus is on protection, cleaning, uh, energetic cleaning, healing and connection with the divine that's it we have no interest in channeling we have no interest in connecting with entities or beings and getting information or power or anything else like that which you know some shamans are into that um, we keep a very tight focus on pura medicina and so what just just said is that's the check, right? We want to make sure we're, um, that we have a, um, a, an alignment. If we bring in a new modality, we have to make sure there's an alignment as to what that modality brings and uh, it, before we experiment with ourselves and then we experiment with experienced people and then we experiment with the general public. So we, we really go through a process before we, we bring in uh, anything new. Um, you want to talk, Michael, about um, the shamanic dieta um, changes that we've because so I our core lineage is um, under Maestro Gumersindo Galindo and his father Don Rodan Galindo, which is part of the Don Julio Jarena uh, lineage out of Genaro Herrera in, near Iquitos or uh, four hours from Iquitos and. Michael started working in depth also with uh, Slocum at Amaru Spirit, and mm -hmm. that brought forth some things. Yeah, I mean, and if you delve into the broad world of ayahuasca and dietas, you're going to see different approaches from different lineages, right? There's going to be some base fundamentals of no salt, no spices, yada, yada, yada. But there are different approaches to how you diet. For example, the Shipibo doing longer dietas or having community dietas versus in historically in this lineage, it's been four drink dietas, about a week long, a little bit, a little bit more um, than a week long. And four drinks of the, the dieta tea, not ayahuasca. Yeah. yeah. And 
Slocum, on the other hand, you know, and in the lineage that he studied under, likes really strong, dense, seven-drink dietas for the right plant, mm-hmm. right? Other ones have shorter time frames. But even while he was studying, you know, he has a background in nutrition and other dynamics as well. And he worked with the food protocol in Dieta, and he brought that to his teacher and was like, hey, this is what I'm thinking, and here's kind of how it's been working. And his teacher was like, yeah, no, that makes sense. And then Slocum has been doing that, and it's continued. So for me, having experienced Dieta's at Slocum's place, and then coming back, I'm like, hey, Zach and Jess, there's this way that I tried it in when I was in Peru at Amaru Spirit with Slocum. Let's try this out here, just between us, right? And I think it was the Redwood Dieta down in... Oh, no, it was Oak, I think. It was Oak. Down in, down in Guatemala? Yeah, yeah. Where, where we tried within this lineage, yeah. utilizing some of the food protocols of that other lineage. Mm-hmm. Um, and then that's continued to develop, and you know, it's far more nutritionally dense, but it's different than just the plain, you know, dry white food yeah. uh, dynamic that is so common and ter- stereotypical. And then we started seeing, oh wow, this actually puts you in a state of ketosis, really, and that drives the energy up, and it it becomes far more interesting and powerful in the dieta, in my experience. Yeah, yeah, Um, yeah. And I think it's important. There's one thing that's important that people may not realize, particularly people who are somewhat newer to um, the plant medicine world. It literally is science. I mean, it's like, okay, we're going to try this, see how it works. If it doesn't work, we drop it. If it works, we're, and it, particularly if it works really well, we're going to run with it. And, you know, while there aren't double blind studies, <laughs> that sort of thing, um, th- this is what the um, shamans of old have always done. And um, I think it's really important to point out that it is science. I mean, mm. We're following the scientific method, not at the same statistical uh, level or, I guess, statistical relevance that one might see, but there's this... Uh, when, when you're studying the medicine and you're studying the science, there, is, there are these tools of measurement that are internal to oneself. Mm. That's the point, is you develop these internal tools to feel how does this impact the dieta or how does this impact ceremony. And they are not tape measures, they are not microscopes, and they are not Geiger counters. They, they are internal to ourselves. And we all kind of, when we do something new, or um, if we're thinking, first we sit around and talk about it, like, hey, do you think this will work? Do you think it'll be okay? And if there's a yes across the board, then we try it on each other, try it on ourselves, try it on each other, and then we um, move on to if that's successful then and, and beneficial. So it can't just be just because it seems cool. Yeah. It's got to be beneficial. Like uh, I, uh, interesting 
kind of an aside. I, I kind of got into mouth harps for a while because yeah. it was a mm-hmm. cool sound. And then pulled it out in ceremony. Um, it didn't go through the same process as some of these other protocols, but it, it, I think it's relevant or it, it's demonstrative uh, as an example. Um, how tried it out in ceremony sounded cool, but it didn't bring medicine. Didn't yeah. bring medicine, uh, but it sounded really cool. So it, it just kind of like it got dropped, be, not because it was a negative impact, but because there wasn't any clear benefit. Um, and now I've got a bunch of sound harps or mouth harps that I just don't use. Um, so yeah, it, it's it's a science and. Um, it's it's a process of experimentation, experimentation, and so forth. Um, what are, some other examples? So we've done singing bowls, mantras. What? North American trees. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> and I think I think I might be able to pat myself on the back that I may have been the first one to do it. Um, I, you know, I started doing uh, working with North American trees, uh, doing dietas back in 2014. So if I wasn't the first, I was, actually it was before that, I dieted cedar in the jungle in like 2012. I I had harvested some cedar tree bark and uh, took it down to the jungle. We did a dieta in the jungle. So I may have been the first, or if not the first, one of the first to to use the same protocol uh, for the shamanic dieta that we had in the jungle, but using North American trees. And what I found, and chime in if you would, is that since we're from North America, the North American trees are particularly relevant because they are growing up in the same environment we are. And so the information and wisdom that they have to pass on to us as North Americans is particularly stellar. Um, I would say, though, that the jungle trees are stronger, with the exception of, say, sequoia and redwood and oak. It's a different kind of strength. Different, so it yeah. may be more aggressive. I don't know. I, it's, Easy, I think easier to connect with a lot of times because the because they've been dieted so often. So a lot of times with the North American trees, at least in my experience, like the um, the spirit might just take a little bit more time to come forth and make the connection. Mm-hmm. But when it does, yeah, it's, it's pretty yeah. pretty amazing. Yeah, and there, there, was a, there was a period of time, and I think this is changing because we're starting to see more North American diets. There's a period of time where we got the message that you know, these North American trees aren't used to being dieted, so therefore just diet them one at a time. And now we're starting to feel like they're, they can be blended together in you know, two or three. Yeah, depending on what those two or three are. And I mean, even that dynamic of blending trees together for dietas, there's different approaches to that in regards to the the science, Mm -hmm. right? Like, I've never done a blended dieta at Slocum's. It's very much so one plant, Mm -hmm. dense dose, clear. Others that that we've done, and they've been equally as effective, Mm -hmm. it's seen how those things are interdependent. And the more that you can form a relationship with the land that you're with or the culture that those plants are part of, 
I think there's a greater sense of connection that can come through. And wherever you're from, you know, you have these trees that you grew up around, right? Mm -hmm. So I had two oak trees in my front yard. <laughs> Far easier to connect with those just in my body has a felt sense of what that is. Yeah. Versus if I'd grown up, you know, around a Bobinsana tree my entire life, you know, maybe that connection is easier. And kind of an aside as well, you know, we're actually seeing a lot more of the traditional jungle trees or what I think of as jungle trees coming into the States, uh -huh. right? Like we know we have Bobinsana here in Portland, yeah. um, which is like, really? Yeah. <laughs> um, and Ayaumas in Hawaii, we found that out. Yeah. Uh, and so there's this kind of diaspora, not just of, ayahuasca. you know, ayahuasca, yeah. but of the trees that are there. So, you know, how those trees and lineages start evolving and intermingling, um, you know, that's the process of evolution, right? How does this work? Doesn't work that great. <laughs> well, this iteration over here actually very similar and has a positive benefit. Or when it connects with something else, it interacts with something else, it then suddenly... Is exactly. <clears throat> yeah. Um, and this is, I think a lot of, this is kind of as an aside um, around the, the conversation of cultural appropriation is that there's been cultural appropriation been going on amongst the tribes for millennia. <clears throat> and that's that's how things got better was through this evolution. Um, so that's just an aside point. Um, before I jump into the viola stuff, is there anything else we want to talk about in, in terms of in terms of uh... meditation? Oh, meditation. Yeah. Right. So you know, the experience of the medicine itself is it can be very transcendent but it can also be very somatic and something that you experience um, very deeply in the body. And uh, through our own meditation practice, uh, we learned a lot of embodiment techniques, which we found to be very helpful uh, as you're transitioning into the medicine. Mm -hmm. And when you get to challenging experiences, either challenging visions or challenging feelings within the body, that using these breathing techniques and using these very ancient meditation techniques is, is a way to navigate the experience with skill. So we like to give, uh, give everyone in our circle those tools. So we have a progression of meditations um, with both in the dieta retreats and in just like the three-day retreat format. And it gives... Uh, uh, the feedback is that it's it's a very powerful tool. Yeah, yeah we, we have people who come for their first time and don't even really have much of a meditation background and then next day at, when we're doing integration circle and sharing experiences they'll be like oh you're so right the whole, the breath is just it saved my life um, and the the ideas we do are it's oftentimes just not always just but um, leads uh, meditation prior to drinking ayahuasca right before ceremony and the suggestion is hey you can use this same uh, meditation protocol when things get intense and things get challenging during ceremony um, and in fact we argue that it's probably about 98 
99% of the time, if one is able to go back to the breath and, and practice these meditation uh, techniques during those challenging times, they will work through it on their own. And you know, if, if they forget and can't get there, then that's what we're, <laughs> that's okay. we're here for. <laughs> um, cool. Uh, then, then there's some things. So this is we're talking specifically in ceremony, immediately around ceremony. Then there's some things that we also have brought in. Um, not, we're bringing in as we speak, I should say. Yeah. Like you're working with the the gene keys and. Uh, the art of contemplation as well, which there's some, there's an art, there's a um, video podcast uh, just about gene keys and using it as a prep and integration tool. So. Prep, is, prep and integration on that side for the art of contemplation and as a tool to kind of navigate. Uh-huh. Um, and then in ceremony, uh, the Corpus Christi seven sacred seals dynamic is uh, also coming alive. Oh, so you're gonna you, at some point you want to bring that in? Why? Well, well, yeah, it, it's already <laughs> in. Um, well, I mean, what do you mean by the seven sacred seals? Do you play them during the ceremony? No, oh, okay. no. I'm talking about the the way that the seven sacred seals works on an energetic level. Oh, I see. Um, is in alignment yes. with Pura Medicina. Yes, and it. Is effective uh-huh. when it's utilized uh-huh. um, and it's beneficial when it's utilized so even though it's not necessarily a ikaro right it, it's a technique from a different lineage so to speak that is applicable and has gotten brought into the fold gotcha um, gotcha and just to, we, we don't really have time to go yeah. into what the gene keys are um, but it's it's fascinating stuff and it's it's its own path in its own right yeah. and it's the gene cut keys by richard rudd and within the gene keys you have the seven sacred seals and you also have the art of contemplation which are all part of the the gene keys and <laughs> there there's a wonderful podcast that we have out and maybe we can link to it in uh-huh. the the notes to this video yeah very good um and then the Vieldo stuff. The Vieldo stuff. So I, I, subsequent to my plant medicine training, uh, have trained with uh, the Four Winds Society, which is put together by Alberto Vieldo. And it essentially is shamanic energy medicine. And when people ask, well, what is that? My response is, well, you know, when people go to therapy for a long time and maybe even go to several plant medicine retreats like ayahuasca retreats and yet at the end of the day after all of that work they still have these negative patterns uh, that impact their relationships and and family and lovers and, and spouses negatively that they they're totally aware of these patterns but they just can't seem to shake them through those other modalities well, the Alberto Vildo Four Wind Society shamanic, uh, shamanic energy medicine work, it releases those patterns. And when we get these, these negative relationship patterns out of our way, um, then our relationships blossom. They become you know, fulfilling, loving, and happy. And so that's what the, the uh, Alberto Vildo work uh, can do. And it's, you know, I, I, I do this work 
a lot of time on Zoom, uh, and mo you know, until recently, most of the time out of out of ceremony. And then we've started doing, or I've started doing um, the, what's called an illumination process um, in ceremony or, or immediately after ceremony while people are still in the medicine. And I will let Michael talk about it because we just did one last night. It's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, so one way to, to make a kind of simple analogy mm -hmm. is if receiving a Vintiata or a Limpiesa, which is where you receive a personal blessing or cleaning at some point in time in the ceremony, right. to, a traditional, thing. traditional thing to clear something through. Um, getting an illumination done is like laying down on an operating table and going after a very specific pattern in depth and in detail um, with intentionality from the uh, pasajero or the person receiving the illumination. And that potentiate, the medicine potentiates the awareness of what is happening in one's body as the energy work is happening. And it allows you as a pasajero or as a receiver to continue to make even further connections about what's going on. And then because those pathways of awareness are getting built to hopefully go forwards and have even more clarity outside of the medicine space if you were to receive more illuminations, which in turn make the medicine space cleaner and more open to your experience. So they feed into each other, yeah. which is really cool. Yeah. And at the same time, it's important. I, I th to, the, to this day thus far, which I may be proven wrong, but the, <clears throat> the outcomes of uh, illumination or the, um, these sessions outside of ceremony, the outcomes are no less, they're equal outcomes. What happens when we do it in ceremony is we see the, the one who is receiving the session, the client or patient, if you will, uh, gets to see a lot more um, connection story as to what happened um, and how this pattern may connect with various events in their lives. So they have a, a more complete story. Um, by doing the illumination in ceremony immediately after ceremony while still being somewhat in the medicine. And what's interesting is, I don't have a full sample set yet, but um, a woman that had done several illuminations during ceremony said that as we got together a week and a half later after ceremony, doing the session over Zoom, she had a similar experience with that illumination mm -hmm. as she did in the ceremony illuminations, which leads me to believe that if one does one in ceremony, ayahuasca teaches that patient, client, what have you, how to make those connections outside of ceremony, which is really fascinating. Again, I don't have a huge sample set, so I'm not willing to say this is gonna happen every time, um, but I was like, whoa, that's interesting, and, and we'll be continuing to experiment. And so, along the lines of the way we, in this case, um, I'm the only one on the team that does this, uh, this shamanic energy medicine work from the Four Winds Society. And um, 
so I don't wasn't able to have anyone practice on me, but I was mm. lucky enough to have very, very experienced people who were both experienced in ayahuasca and also in receiving these uh, illumination sessions. And so they're like, yeah, let's do it. And so we tried it out on them. And then now we're starting to open it up to people who are new. And um, that has been fantastic thus far too. So super excited. Um, cool. Any any other things we should talk about on evolution side of evolution in the medicine or in ceremony? Well, just, you know, maybe our evolution as a team and as La Familia Ayahuasca, because we, we come from that very foundational jungle uh, background. That's where Zach's training was. Mm-hmm. But Zach, you studied Buddhism mm-hmm. and you brought into your practice some concepts from Buddhism, which like expanded yeah. something. And then when I started weaving in, I come from a Kashmir Shaivist background. And what's really cool is that the meeting of Kashmir Shaivism and the meeting of, of Buddhism, make the, the Tantric Buddhism, which is, which is the Vajrayana. But anyway, that, that's almost beside the point. But we've, we've woven in a lot from our understandings of those traditions and also expanded beyond... Um, We've, we've decided that we really specialize in spiritual awakening and, and helping helping you deepen a spiritual practice and expansion of consciousness um, beyond what what medicine is usually is usually approached for. Mm, yeah, that's a good point. It, th- that's true. It, um, we <clears throat> that was it back in 2018. We're like, who do we want to work with? We want to work yes. with people who are on the cusp of waking up and then help them actually do it. And <clears throat> to be clear, it's waking up, not enlightened. Um, <laughs> because we have to get enlightened first before we can <laughs> do that. Um, I, do, I also want to point out that, so yes, um, studied a fair amount of Buddhism. And um, recently though, Christian, Christian mysticism uh, mm. has been a big part of my life. Um, listening to people like Richard Rohr, um, who's a Franciscan monk, who's a or me, priest or monk, I don't know. Um, but he's amazing. He t- approaches um, Christianity from a non-dual perspective. And um, I, I don't know, I, th- I used to, I think I still do, I, I don't call myself a Christian, I call myself a devotee of Christ. Because yeah. the, the Christian, didn't, there's a connotation there that I'm not comfortable with. A diva tea? A diva tea. <laughs> <laughs> um, anything else on the evolution front, or are we about to wrap it up? That's got it from, from me. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Well, um, sounds like we're coming to an end here. Um, if you like this content, uh, you can feel free to subscribe. Uh, hitting that proverbial button below, I guess. We're not used to that. Um, we're right not used to telling people what to do. Somewhere. <laughs> um, and you can you can find us on YouTube uh, under Ayahuasca Family. And you can find us on the various podcast outlets under Ayahuasca Family as well. We have a lot more content. And we're going to have a lot more coming. We, in the near term, in terms of retreats and so forth, we have retreats coming up 
starting in uh, December in Tepoztlan, Mexico. Uh, we've got three on the calendar. Uh, was it December, January, and February? Mm -hmm. So, uh, if you are interested in that, you can t check out our website at ayahuascafamily.com. And then if you want to reach out directly, info at ayahuascafamily.com. Enough of the commercials. Thank you again for watching and have a good one.